your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle Empire. We interrupt your regularly scheduled off tackle Empire for this breaking news bulletin. It just so happens that on the day we were otherwise going to be recording anyway, there's actual big news to report, so we can make it look like we're an actual, you know, like, up-to-the-minute podcast that convenes for emergency events like this. Big News Wednesday! So, the Big Ten released its modified, conference-only, 10-game schedule a mere hours ago, so by the time this debuts, it will have been like a day, at least, but, um... And we say this, of course, with the same proviso we have for all of our content on Off Tackle Empire since Big Ten 2020 started a month ago, uh, that the season definitely should not happen and probably isn't going to happen. But we have a schedule to talk about, and it's better than not having a schedule to talk about. I uh, I, I wrote an article earlier in the week that was, uh, that was basically a really dark take on um, coaches' odds of which coach would be the first to die of COVID-19? It was a little much. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the point was to make you, the reader, be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? These are human beings with, like, families and lives and shit, not, like, cattle that you gamify. And, yeah, that's exactly the point. That's kind of what we're doing by asking them to just accept all of this risk. And many are choosing not to. Well, not many yet. Uh, coaches haven't. What are you talking like, about? Oh, no. I'm talking about players. I'm talking about players. <laughs> There's yeah. Several players have chosen to. Yeah, of course, right. so. we haven't really even updated on that because uh, to get to our current news, we have to go back to, um, of course, started when uh, when Ravon Bonner made his statement um, after leaving the team, Illinois running back, that uh, he was concerned about the fact that they just had positive tests and he had a history with asthma he's in a risk group you know not worth it not a guy with an nfl upside but you know a guy that has seen carries in three years yeah but and a guy with a health comorbidity that made you think yeah okay that makes sense and then the news comes crashing through that rashad bateman is opting out not a guy who has any health issues that we're aware of a projected first round pick and also probably the most important member of the minnesota offense yeah, him. I mean, Tanner Morgan's right there with him, but yeah, there. That yeah, was, but it's, that, a, it's that a chicken egg thing. Yeah, with right. The receiving core in them. That connection was going to be huge. Um, and, and again, you know, I would say behind Jamar Chase, Bateman's probably the second. You could make a case for him as the second best receiver in the country. Surefire first round pick, in my opinion. Yeah, and then Micah Parsons, same thing. Unless the of course day. the Packers are right there. Yeah, him, well, then, case... then they'll, you know, if he's still there in, like, the sixth round, maybe they'll take a flyer on him, but... No, uh... <laughs> no, they didn't even do that this year. So, anyway, uh, before, before him, of course, you had the Virginia Tech cornerback. Uh, I can't remember his first Caleb, name. Caleb, Caleb, Caleb Farley, Farley yeah. yeah. Caleb Farley, uh, another projected first-round pick. Uh, Penn State's Micah Parsons has done the same thing. But just today, uh, Jacob Panasuk, who not... A big time NFL prospect. No, probably a defensive not, end from probably Michigan not State. a draft selection. A but, two year but, starter. Yeah, and I mean he played even a good deal as a freshman. So he's but he's gonna redshirt because he never took one so far and come back in twenty twenty one basically. So he's not even preparing for the draft. He's just like, nah, I'm out. Fuck this shit. And 
on the one hand, absolutely cannot blame any of these guys for doing that. On the other hand, and I'm not saying this was his motivation, it probably isn't, but if you're Jacob Pastrick, isn't it kind of a clever move to, to like look at this and be like, yeah, me too. Um, so that like when people were reading about this, it's like, oh, Rashad Bateman and Micah Parsons, Jacob Panasuk, him too, like all the top players no, no, in the conference. Yeah. Like now you're just, you're just kind of like sliding yourself into that conversation. Like, no, I'm not going to blame the players because you remember, remember the incredibly small amount of shit that people got for doing this on, on purpose last year at Houston and Rutgers. Yeah. Uh, they just, they just openly tanked and redshirted just because the season was going to be shitty. Yeah. Although, you know, the funny thing is, as a result of that, that the guy who was supposed to be redshirting to be Houston's quarterback this year would have played Michigan State if the non-conference had gone forward because Derek King ended up being the starting quarterback at Miami. So we get to dodge that bullet, too. Anyway, to get back to the schedule and the actual news of the moment, this, of course, means that every team has a new game. So the new games, you have Michigan Northwestern, Michigan State, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Rutgers, Minnesota, Indiana, Penn State, Illinois, Ohio State, Purdue, and Iowa, Maryland. Most of those games seem to fall either right at the beginning or the end of the schedule. Um, But there's also, I mean, there's a pretty good amount of jostling in the schedule too, games moving around. And they've basically done it intending to give both teams two bye weeks and the bye weeks are also lined up. So all the byes are either in weeks five, six, seven, ten, or eleven. Each team will have one bye in both of those periods, lining up with a bunch of other teams that they play. And the Big Ten I think they described it as the the plan was called like Jenga forty one or something. Like yes, they made so they it sound had like forty one games they that made they wanted sound, to protect. They made it sound like a Kurt Vonnegut novel, basically like <laughs> So the thing is, those 41 games that they wanted to protect by, you know, giving them pre-planned, you know, makeup dates with the buys, uh, eight of those are Ohio State, and then, (laughs) uh, and then, like, like, I think four teams in the West are getting four each, so basically they've protected four games on Illinois' schedule and eight games on Ohio State's schedule. Ohio State is, like... Essentially, there's there's no doubt who the conference no is putting they, on the lifeboat because because later they the college football playoff announced their plans for the selection show or whatever and yeah and it's, so so yeah the Big Ten is pretty happy about this because they've pretty much tailor made this schedule for Ohio State to present like. If Illinois only plays four games, that's fine. We've got to get Ohio State as, <laughs> as many, many games as, as possible. Yeah. When the playoff thing that you're referencing is, again, I believe just earlier today, the final playoff rankings were formerly going to be coming out on December 6th. Now those have been pushed back to December 20th. So what Even though there haven't been any games added. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no extra games, and most conferences are not playing even 11. Um, well, I shouldn't say most. I guess plenty of them still are, but... Most of the, I don't think anybody is still playing a full 12 games, are they? Maybe like the American because they have all those buy games. But uh, yeah, there's there's not a whole... So clearly the intention here is to build as much slack into it as they can. And it like the way they're setting this up, it, they're, they're acknowledging like, oh yeah, there's going to be a couple breakouts. We're, gonna, we're probably going to have to postpone a few games. But shit will happen and then we'll get these kids back out here and we'll get our goddamn money. Essentially. Um, Indiana offensive lineman Brady Feeney is, to my knowledge, still in the hospital. 
Haven't heard an update on him in a day or two, but he definitely was earlier this week, yep. This was the kind of thing I was concerned about when I first started hearing about what the risks of this virus are, as a 300-pound asthmatic man myself. Uh, I thought, well, yeah, the people at, at most risk here in all of sports are offensive linemen. And, uh, you know, we've, we've gotten more discreet updates on his condition through uh, through his mother's Facebook. Uh, very concerned. We, we hope that... We hope that there's no permanent damage and that he gets over this, but there, the, the, the reports of his condition were that he was in the ICU with breathing trouble, and then there was, an, there was a heart inflammation condition after that. Um, and so that's, I mean, like... There's the, still so much we don't know. Yeah, about what this disease does to people. Because, again, it's new. Like, <laughs> until six months ago, nobody ever had this thing. So, so it probably would have been to our benefit to just... Uh, actually try to contain it yeah well and it still blows my mind that and this seems to be a diminishing argument in popularity at least but it's still a thing that has some sway is this thought that well lots of people especially young people it's not going to kill them so why not just let them get it and then we can use them to operate society while the rest of us vulnerables are safe and you know free from harm the fact that it doesn't kill you doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. I mean, there's all you you can't go on social media without seeing anecdotal reports about people having organ damage, breathing problems. Months later, uh, we have no idea what this thing does long term, and we want to expose again. The the thing about doing it in a college sports context is these guys aren't paid. Have whatever pedantic arguments you want about oh the value of a scholarship. Fuck you. If that's your logic, that they should then go and expose themselves to a pandemic that nobody's ever had before because they get a few years of free classes in general studies. Yeah, I mean, remember when, you, when you're talking about the wide range of outcomes between being dead and being okay, Eric Legrand wasn't killed by his injury at Rutgers. Um, fair to say that his quality of life was impacted? I mean... I'm I'm going very far there, but the point is, there, there are going to be careers ended. Yeah, there's a range of outcomes. There's going to be careers ended. There's going to be lives ruined, even if they're not ended. So, it, man. Not to mention, these people have families that I'm sure, if you pay any attention to this sport, you know all about. I'm sure you know about, about you know, all of this, the struggling parents who finally made it to their first game from your team or whatever, or the, the guys that, you know, the, the parents that flew all the way across the country to finally see their kid play for your team and all that. Hey, guess what? Those people are probably in a risk group. Yeah, so it's... Man. Anyway. Um, so, all of this stuff that we're talking about is in the is in the context of, like, even just in the last day or two, there's now... I don't know if it's a separate group or if it's part of the same group, but... Now a bunch of Big Ten players are organizing into the same type of players group that a bunch of players in the Pac-12 did. Um, we had earlier today Division Two and Division Three officially canceled fall championships. That does not mean that they're necessarily canceling all football, but it means that the, the you know the postseasons and things will not be played this semester. So we're it's you know the the whole dysfunctional structure of the NCAA is honestly designed to give cover to the decision makers in the most powerful conferences in exactly this kind of situation. When they want to be able to say, oh, well, if the NCAA is going to force us to do this thing, then we'll just leave. 
but they stay in the NCAA anyway so that they can blame it for all the crappy things that they ultimately, you know, so they can pass the buck to somebody. This is America. Yep, it really, it very much echoes our uh, our, our whole structure here as far as uh, the buck being punted and punted and punted and the important decisions being punted on down the line. As long as the as long as the money doesn't stop flowing, or at the very least, that the money pipeline has has minimally diminished effects. Yeah. So, nevertheless, as it stands right now, four weeks from yep, week before Labor Day, four weeks from tomorrow night, mm-hmm. as we're recording this, September third is the first game of the Big Ten season, and we are going to, you know. In light of all of this difficult stuff that everybody's having to deal with and the, and the, the added, yet another added layer of kind of guilt on top of watching college football, if you know everything that goes on inside it, adding another layer of that, well, what's the Big Ten going to trot out to prove to you on opening night that this was all worth it? Oh, it's Ohio State at Illinois. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> Hell yes. Feel the unparalleled magic of you know, I think they ought to try Isaiah Williams again. I mean, that drive in the third, for, early in the third quarter when they were only down 42 to three, I thought he moved the ball a little more consistently than Robinson did uh, against Ohio State's third string. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I see Karan Taylor warming up over there. I don't know if he's going to get any reps. Uh, maybe, maybe you take the red shirt off span here. I don't know. But you know, they'll probably uh, we'll get some good shots of. Do you think they brought the trophy? Is the trophy even at the? We can't prove the trophy's here. We haven't seen a shot of it yet. So I Illinois guess, lost the last four or the last five games in this matchup by four or more touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they've been they've run the gamut from sixty to thirty-five to twenty-eight to three. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'll tell you this though. Um, it, it's clear that. The, the one thing that kind of stuck out to me is this in this scrambled schedule, the sanctity of the game has been violated. It's not the end of the season anymore. They moved it to, I think, week eight. Like, it's in the middle of October, which means two things. First of all, obviously, it's not the last game of the season for those two anymore. And because it's not in November, it's no longer immune from being flexed into a night spot. So the Big Ten is going to use this opportunity to shove through this change that both fan bases would have kicked and screamed about otherwise and make more money because it's going to be a night game. They're going to do huge ratings if that game actually happens. And, of course, by having it in the middle of the season, it feels like they're protecting it the most. Um, They've actually taken all the games away from that after Thanksgiving week. That's no longer a playing week anymore. Yeah, it's it's a buy across the board, isn't it? So Yeah, well, it's, it's... well, no, it's open. All, yeah, it's, it's the just season's a, over. In by fact, that the point. schedule just says open, not like so. And then the championship, if it happens, would be December fifth. So again, that's another spot. But you can think of that as another bye week at the end of the season, uh, to allow games to be shoved out to that spot because nobody plays then. You can put whatever game needs to be rescheduled in that spot. We're joined now by our lab correspondent goodness gracious I was just shown very aggressive affection hello hello oh my goodness so anyway um, 
personally for me i i was kind of thrilled to see that we don't have to well get my mic <laughs> that we don't have to play end of the season Northwestern yeah. anymore. So we get mid-October Northwestern, which who knows how good that's going to be. Yeah, you know you know what we're going to do as a response to, again, like the, again, moving the Michigan-Ohio State game says to me the Big Ten is taking liberties to do whatever they can. Because the other thing is they randomly changed the Michigan-Michigan State game from East Lansing to Ann Arbor. But apparently there hasn't been anything about them changing next year's game. So... They could have taken that chance. So Michigan and Michigan State are both in the weird situation where every year they play, they either have Michigan, Ohio State, and the other of the Michigan schools at home or away, both games. Most of those fans would probably prefer to split those two so that one, your season tickets include either an Ohio State or other Michigan school, and so that your schedule doesn't oscillate so wildly between hard and, and easy. But it doesn't sound like they're going to take that opportunity to fix it. I don't know why they wouldn't. So, in lieu of that, what I propose we're doing now is, actually, the team that you play at the end of this season is now your permanent primary blood rival. Nope, don't object. There's nothing you can do or say about it. Minnesota fans, you are at war with Maryland. You have always been at war with Maryland. Boom. It's the, mo it's the most classic end-of-the-season game as either the snow begins to fall in Minneapolis or the uh, if it's Maryland, D.C. is basically a swamp where it's probably shitty. I don't know what happens there in the fall. It's probably been raining for like four straight months. That's probably what happens in Maryland at the end of the season. I don't know, man. Um, well, then, of course, you have Penn State, Illinois. The Nobody even remembers the name of that lineman they got to transfer bowl. Um, the wiki? Oh my God, Ryan Nowicki! I'm good. Ryan Nowicki, how? It must have been because I brought him up several other times. I don't know. I think I'm just going to because he didn't... never played for Illinois. No. <laughs> well, didn't he like transfer again or retire or something? Yeah, he, um, he ended up at Northern Arizona. Yeah. Well, so anyway, it it is decided. Then we have Illinois, Penn State. There's actually like a little bit of spice there because of the Beckman angle can play for the Beckman visor. Um, we covered Minnesota, Maryland, blood fiend, you know, blood, blood enemies. They've hated each other forever. We've known this. Indiana and Purdue still get to play each other. We still minimize on travel that way. Um, of course, the classic rivalry, Wisconsin and Rutgers. Presumably, eventually, Rutgers will be able to hold on to one of their in-state running backs that the Badgers are interested in. Wisconsin at Rutgers. This is war. Or to be more phonetically accurate, Word. Water. <laughs> uh, elsewhere, we have the Pretentious Bowl, Michigan and Northwestern. Everyone's going to look forward to that. No mm. one else will know that any of the other games are happening because 98% of college football media will be at that game. So, yeah. Ohio State-Iowa, the only particularly watchable one outside of the traditional IUP. Watchable, because as fun as that 55-point well, game year. was. Every sure, other sure, 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 sure. So yeah, that's the new schedule. Um, again, it, it's not actually going to happen, but it was the thing of the day, so we may as well talk about it for a minute. Yeah, it is interesting that, like, I don't know. How do you feel about Michigan State getting, instead of Northwestern, Minnesota week one? Even with Bateman not playing, it's definitely still a harder matchup. I feel like I... So when you say how I feel about it, I mean... 
I would rather watch them play Minnesota, but since they were going to play both teams anyway, you're not gaining anything there. So, no, I would have preferred Northwestern the first game of the season because the odds of us winning would be higher. It's really interesting because when I look at week one, every single game has a very clear winner in my mind. Most likely, yeah. I mean, honestly, the one that I think is closest is Indiana Indiana, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yeah. That's... As goofy as that sounds, as many times as Wisconsin has turned Indiana into paste. But, yeah, that, that's that's weird that they would choose to do that because you've got <laughs> or, Iowa, Maryland. Or. Or. or Nebraska and Rutgers. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh. So you got Iowa, Maryland, um, Minnesota, Michigan State. Which, again... It's probably... It's certainly a lot closer however, today than it was, but... But Michigan however State good, losing Patrick is a big problem. Yeah, like, however you know? good Michigan State's going to be, they're still in their first year of a new coach. Um, Minnesota is returning well, a lot of starters two, from an 11-win team. They two or three weeks in quarantine. Like, they, yeah. they just started... I mean, I guess the Big Ten just allowed you to open fall camp today, but they couldn't do any off-season... Like, what a disaster. And then you got Nebraska, Rutgers... Um, then uh, Penn State against September Northwestern, so blood everywhere. <laughs> like it's, it's terrible. Uh, Michigan against Purdue, which that I could be know. interesting. That you could, could be I interesting. Mean, you it could talk depends on how well Purdue's offensive line holds up, and whether Michigan's settled on a quarterback and whether that quarterback's any good. That's gonna matter. They've got. Uh, they've got I a actually whole... saw Boston College get a transfer quarterback and get his waiver approved yesterday so it's not yeah. too late michigan <laughs> yeah well, remember you're a p5 program and it would be a quarterback so that waiver would be approved with a quickness wonder um, who is even still out there i do at this point i can't imagine there's many although um oh <laughs> it's a basketball player i was gonna say where'd no gel eastern end up he could play <laughs> quarterback uh since we were talking about purdue i guess his name came to mind but i mean honestly that purdue michigan game you you'll be sending George Karlaftis and Lorenzo Neal against an offensive line with four new starters. That could be a little bit more of a challenge for Michigan than you would think. I would still expect them to win, but they've got some defensive pieces that are new too. Purdue's offense is a handful, or it can be, and they'll actually be healthy because it's the first game of the year. So, am I looking up uncommitted transfer quarterbacks? Maybe. Man, if you've waited this long, like. One of two things is, well, I don't know how to phrase this, but if you're an uncommitted transfer quarterback at this point and you're looking and you're looking for a program that's going to start you in a month, uh, boy, um, what, I mean, what kind of program would you have to sell? I want, so I wonder, first of all, you got like, some guys out of a couple four star guys, James Foster out of A&M, uh, Michael Johnson Jr. out of Penn State. I don't remember Who him at all. Guy? Yeah, I don't remember him at all. Um, I don't know any of these names. I mean, Deuce Wallace sounds like a name I should know because that's kind of a sick name for an SEC quarterback, which he is from out of Vanderbilt. Uh, Mariano Valenti seems like uh, that's seems like that's, Ru- the, that's, that's a Rutgers, Rutgers starter for yeah, sure. One hundred percent. He's going to start week three for Rutgers. Uh, but otherwise, no, I got I got nothing. Gavin Screws, yeah, I bet he does. Um, Heyo. <laughs> Uh, oh boy! Yeah, no, that it's 
Slim Pickens for Jim Harbaugh out there right now. Yeah, he's only got the former five-star, a high four-star, and I think another four-star in his quarterback depth chart, plus the five-star coming next year. Like, that he hasn't found a capable starter from his own recruits is not because he can't get a talented kid to sign up for him. They're still buying whatever he's selling, even though he's produced one sixth-round pick at quarterback in five years, and that was a transfer. Yeah, so, I guess, what what, what are your... I, I, I guess we've got ten games scheduled now. Yeah. What do you think the odds are of us getting any games in? I think some games will be played because I have... I mean, I, I think the dumbest thing you can do in this country is underestimate the momentum and power of money and the gathering of money. And there's... A lot of money. Did you see the thing earlier today that the Pac-12 is making plans in the event this season is lost to take out a loan of almost a billion dollars to cover one season of lost revenues for its athletic departments? Well, that's the thing. Athletic departments, because of the nature of the beast, they operate on the brink of financial viability. Yeah, they get rid of everything they possibly can to make they it use look every like every part of the buffalo. To make it look like there's nothing to possibly spare for the players. And this is the the corner they've painted themselves into is if the revenue stream is pinched for just a second, they have a fucking aneurysm. American pro sports are kind of unique in that regard in that they're all pro- in that they all protect the owners from having to spend money to win. Um you're not really incentivized to win. It's mostly about making money. Yeah, it's mostly just about make the product as good for as many people as possible, which pushes leagues towards parity, which is why you get lotteries and salary caps and all that shit. And none of that exists in college football. So yeah, <laughs> it's a none totally of that different exists ecosystem. In other places in the world, either. Right. Right. Yeah. In the in Premier League and La Liga and anywhere else. If you don't win, you get sent down. <laughs> you get relegated. Yeah. Uh, and there are big penalties for that. You don't. Have, not only do you not have access to as much money, but your fans will be fucking furious and they will turn on you. So, huh, um, yeah. Well, which is so. Your original question: Do I think that we get any games in? Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> and the, with with the one proviso being, if a player or a coach dies of COVID before then, that might change things. But that's what it would take. And, you know, we're a month away. We've had, depending on the pro, I mean, you know, remember, like, as soon as they started summer camp, Clemson had 30 cases. They didn't bat an eyelash. Um, you've had outbreaks. You know, Rutgers had 20-something cases. Michigan State had fewer, but they still, I think maybe in part because of the state's restrictions, they shut down more quickly. Um, you've had cases elsewhere. If the season goes forward and they don't, I mean, the thing is, if, they were, if they're that determined to have the season, they had to do a bubble. That's, I mean, we've seen from the comparison between baseball and then basketball and hockey that you can make this kind of thing work if you isolate them from everyone else. But yes, then, but how can you do it without paying players? You just can't. You, what you can't... What, what you basically have to say is there's some academic value and like you the arguments even even relative to the ncaa's normal arguments would truly boggle the mind my microphone was sniffed it's probably contraband so um no you couldn't do it because you would 
to do that, the degree of control you would have to exert over player over putting college players in the bubble, you, there's no way around admitting that they're employees, that they're just guys working for you. And that put that finally shatters the amateurism lie, which is on its way out anyway. But every year the NCAA can hang on to it as hundreds of millions of dollars potentially that they don't have to share. So why would you not drag it out as long as you can, even if it means tossing a few players in the grave? Here's how I'm seeing this season unfolding. I've got big time Big Ten basketball tournament energy from this year. So here's how it's going to end. <laughs> Thursday night, uh, near the end of the game between Ohio State and Illinois, which will be won by Ohio State 23-16 to in overtime. Um, <laughs> a lot of field goals. Uh, well, because by then, Justin Fields will probably have opted out. Maybe a couple of Iowa State's offensive linemen opt out. You know, those All-American guys, Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers. But like, the next morning, <laughs> the very next morning, we'll get some, you know, some news that will get everything screeching to a halt. And the whole Big Ten football season will have been Ohio State holds on to the Illibuck. <laughs> that will have been the only thing that happened in 2020. <laughs> Just like we drew it up. <sighs> Source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire!